This is FBG Jen. And FBG Kristen. And I'm FBG Margot, host and producer. You're listening to the podcast that will help you keep a lid on the junk in the trunk and inspire you to live a happy and confident life. Each episode, we chat with motivational experts and celebs and share our own candid adventures in being healthy. If you're looking for a podcast that's equal parts hilarious and enlightening, well then welcome to the Fit Bottom Girls podcast. Today's episode is sponsored by Love My Skivvies, a monthly subscription service for undies that are as cute as they are comfy. And ladies, these are designed for workouts and your everyday life. Just pick your size and your style, and you'll never have to think about what's in your panty drawer again, because badass women need panties that live up to our adventures. Now, let's get into the show. Welcome back to the Fit Bottom Girls podcast. This is FBG Margo, and on the line today, we have FBG Jen. Hey, guys. And we have FBG Kristen. Hello. Hello. And we talked to Erin Lochner in this episode. She's the author of Chasing Slow. She had an HDTV.com show as well. And Kristen and I, we were on this interview. Kristen, I thought she was fabulous. What did you think of her? I love Erin. Like, I have adored her for years, and I was so happy that she joined us for this. So she talks about here about basically she had a very high powered career on the West Coast. She and her husband, by the way, and they moved to the Midwest and they decided to just kind of live a slower paced life. You can still have a career where you're hitting your artistic high. You don't have to be based in the entertainment capital to make it happen. And that's what Erin did for herself. And I really love some ideas that she had about living a slower pace. She has a book called Chasing Slow. So I wanted to ask you guys, what are ways you try to live at a slower pace? Well, it's, it's funny. I, since I, I'm so excited to hear this interview, because um, I know I talked to Kristen about it after she got off of it. And I was super bummed I couldn't make it. But it's so much of what um, seems to be that Erin is about and what her book book is about is just so inspiring and even from just hearing like you guys talk about it I I started kind of like looking at my life through a little bit of different lens like the slow lens like where could I kind of slow down and just because I think you know we always have like really long to-do lists but what if I just kind of gave that up and didn't care and just kind of succumbed to the moment whatever whatever it was and so one of the well I guess there's two things, but one of the easiest things that I've been doing is, okay, so I drink a lot of water. I think we all drink like a lot of water Mm -hmm. and I have a big hydro flask. It's like 32 ounces. So it takes a while to fill it up from like my water filter because it's, you know, not, not that much comes out at a time. And so a lot of times I'm like, oh God, my, you know, my freaking water's empty again. I got to go fill up my water. Then I kind of stand there and I feel like I'm kind of wasting time. And I was like, why don't I take this, you know, It's literally like 90 seconds to fill it up. It's not that long, you know, but instead of me having kind of the, I need to be doing something else or this is annoying. I just, I was like, why don't I just take this opportunity to just breathe? Like to just sit here and breathe and just check in with myself and be a little bit grateful for a second. And seriously, it's like a 90 second reset that I do like, you know, four or five times a day is just a little reminder like, hey, slow your ass down. Things are cool. Get your water. Be grateful that you have clean water yeah. <laughs> at the ready that you can drink. And then the other thing is that I had been pushing pretty hard on trying to get some sort of like a morning routine going for a long time. And I was trying to get up before my daughter and do it and try to get down the stairs without waking her up. And it's this whole big thing. And she's still getting up a few times a night. So I'm not getting great sleep. And I was just like, I just kind of threw it out the window. I was like, yeah, it's not the time in my life to do that. So I am just going to sleep in 
sleep in every day until basically she gets up and she gets up at like seven. So it's not like she's getting up like super early or anything, but I'm just going to lay in bed and I'm going to really enjoy her running into my room to wake me up every day. Cause she's not, she won't do that for forever. That's just kind of slow the pace down. Yeah. It's really nice. Oh, what well, about you guys? I, I cannot believe that I am saying this, but I had been sort of playing with this idea before we talked to Aaron and then we had our interview with her and then um, on top of that, I went to the chiropractor and it turns out that um, I've got a little bit of tech neck going on. So I am, like, it actually feels uncomfortable to even say this. I am making a point to not just not be on my phone, but to put it places where it's not accessible for actual periods of time. And I like, I'm sure that there are a lot of people out there laughing, but like, I am one of those people who checks my phone or was one of those people who, you know, I'll check my phone a lot of times a day, like somewhat obsessively. And it's not because I think I'm so important. It's not because I think that there's, it's not even really that I'm like so focused on wanting to check for likes or anything like that. I don't think that that's what's tied to it. It's really, it's a habit. Um, and it's just, you know, like, oh, I wonder what else is new. I wonder who's posted a cool picture. I wonder what else inspiring is out there. Like, I'm looking for good things, but I was looking all the time. So, um, like, at night when when I'm having dinner and then, you know, sitting on the couch reading or watching TV with my husband or whatever, I put my phone in a different room and I turn the ringer off. And I have my – I have a smartwatch, so – I may leave that on so that I get text messages and can see it there, but I don't really get that many text messages. You know, it's really, it tends to be if somebody has something important to say, and if I find that I'm getting a lot of them and they're not that important, I can turn that notification off. So that's like, honestly, you guys, it's, it's a really big deal for me. Yeah, I bet. It's huge. Yeah. 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 So that's, that is what I'm doing. So um, thank you, Aaron. And uh, my husband really thanks you because he's like, yes, please put it away. Focus on this. Um, so we'll see if we can get him doing the same thing too, right? Yeah. Yeah. But uh, what about you, Margo? You know, I, I have a phone addiction too. And for some reason, I need to immediately know if I'm needed or not, right? Yep. And so a few times a week, I teach down the street. I teach, one is another town away and one is down the street. And when I'm teaching at the one down the street, I just now leave the iPhone here because I'm only gone for like an hour, hour and a half tops. And I find like, I just want to be there, be there for my students, be there for myself and just take that in. And it's just change. Yeah. I don't worry about text messages or anything like that. I have my smartwatch with me, but it's not synced up to the phone. So I don't know if somebody's texting me or tweeting me or whatever, but just for that amount of time. And it's very, very healthy for me. Of course, as soon as I get home, what do I do? I check the phone, make sure right. everything's okay. <laughs> but also I have to thank you, Jen, because you got me into calm.com. And oh, yeah. Isn't that great? Oh, my God. I just use the free version on my laptop where we record this show, the laptop I'm looking at right now. And at the very end of the day, when I need to calm down and just get the desk in order and transition into evening, I put on calm.com. And oh, my God, it just changes everything. My heart rate goes down. My, my brain isn't buzzing. I'm just listening to birds chirping and water brooks babbling and all that stuff like that. And it's, it's been incredible. I really, really, I can't recommend it enough for you guys. Calm.com. Yay. That's awesome. And 
you know, with the phone thing, one other thing I want to mention, and this is something I've done for a long time, um, but I turned off all um, all sound notifications for everything besides um, besides text messages and phone calls. Mm-hmm. Oh, see, yeah. I don't even have a ding for texts. That's how. It's oh, that's, only the ring. It's only the ringer. Really because um, I like, I could just find, I would just hear like the ding, ding, ding. Oh yeah, every, I did too. If I couldn't respond to it, I, it would like it stresses like, you oh, out. I, I got to do that. Yeah. yeah, and I'm like, oh man, I got a bad reaction to this. I can't do it. Yeah. So I would say if anybody is like, oh, you know what, I am totally looking all the time, but you're maybe not quite to the point of being ready to leave the phone in another room or putting it in a drawer or turning Mm -hmm. sounds completely off, at least turn off the sounds for like email and social. Absolutely. Um, And maybe even the notifications, because it would even bother me if it said I had like so many emails unread. I'm like, I'm always going to have emails unread. So just don't, I don't even want to know. Like, I'll just assume that there are emails there. It's fine. (laughs) Oh, I'm not there yet. <laughs> oh, I can't. I don't. I don't like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Awesome. I'm like bare bones over here. Awesome. All right. So let's just go right into our interview with Aaron Lochner of Chasing Slow. Remember, this episode is sponsored by Love My Skivvies, a monthly subscription service for undies that we absolutely adore. Ladies, you got to check them out at lovemyskivvies.com. Okay. That's L-U-V-M-Y-S-K-I-V-V-I-E-S.com. And for being a listener, you can even save 25% off your first month. Just enter the code FBG, that's for Fit Bottom Girls, FBG, at checkout, and you're good to go. Again, that's lovemyskivvies.com, L-U-V. M-Y-S-K-I-V-V-I-E-S dot com. Author of Chasing Slow and founder of Design for Mankind, Erin Lochner has been blogging and speaking for more than a decade. Her heartfelt writing and design work has been showcased in the New York Times, Lucky, Parenting, Dwell, Marie Claire, Elle Decor, Huffington Post, and a two-season HDTV.com web special garnering over one million fans worldwide. She has spoken for and appeared in renowned international events for clients such as Walt Disney World, Ikea, Martha Stewart, and Home Depot. Now nestled in a Midwestern town, Erin, her husband, and two kids strive for less in most areas except three, joy, grace, and goat cheese. So welcome to the show, Erin. Thank you so much for having me, ladies. I'm just so, so excited to be here. We're very excited to have you on the show today. This is FBG Margot, and on the line today, we have FBG Kristen. Hey, guys. So, Erin, I'm going to ask you the first question. Can you please tell us about the journey that sent you on the path to create your book, Chasing Slow? You've been promoting it for a few months now. Can you talk a bit about that? Yes. uh, Chasing Slow, first of all, was just not the book that I set out to write. I feel like probably every author says that at some point or another, but what I thought I was writing a book about was kind of the ultimate lifestyle of minimalism, how it was just the answer to all of our problems. And it was, you know, a perfect fit for everybody. And it was the ideal and it was worth chasing. And uh, what happened was I wrote a book about it in six months. I wrote a book about slow living very fast and my life went just kind of topsy turvy and nothing made sense and nothing was easy and nothing was slow. And I realized, um, that, that kind of gripping this ideal wasn't doing me any good either. Um, there's a quote in the book that says without grace, minimalism is just another metric for perfection. 
Mm. And um, that's what it felt like. It felt like I was just trying to be perfect in the same way that I was trying to be perfect when I was living fast, uh, which was, you know, it, me living in Los Angeles, working the rat race, spending four hours on the 405 every day, you know, commuting into traffic. And it was a busy, full, fast life. And I suppose what this book explores is, even though I now live a very slow, quiet, simple life in the Midwest, could I have perhaps just replaced one chase with another? And the answer is absolutely. You know, I think I think we can spin our wheels either way if we try. Ooh, well, so that's that's deep. Um, <laughs> and you know, and it's it's interesting because you know you moved to the Midwest and jumped into, um, if I recall correctly, jumped into renovating a home. And that wasn't just renovating a home, that was a professional project and not just a professional project, but a professional project with your husband, (laughs) which is, you know, all of that just kind of brings its own, all of its own thing in there. So let me ask, like after this discovery with writing the book and living this life and changing this life, what did you change at the outcome, anything? Oh, I would say everything. And you know, it's, it's one of those, it's one of those things that people, you know, you hate to hear it because it seems um, intangible and like it, like it's, there's, there's nothing really to grab hold on because the answer is that it's a, it's a total mindset shift. The answer is to, for me was to release the pace altogether and, and kind of release the label that we put on things. Right. I remember, um, a specific moment when I was, when I was writing the book and this was post renovation, you know, post the HGTV.com show. And this was when things were quote unquote slower by professional standards, meaning, you know, I didn't have the, the crazed audience and like the, the fame sort of thing. Like I didn't have the, I have my own platform, but it's smaller, it's more loyal, it's more manageable. So even though things had kind of slowed professionally. I had a baby. I was very focused on adoption and I still find my, found myself while I was writing this book, um, looking around and seeing my home in a state of excess and feeling like a total hypocrite writing this book about, you know, purging the things that we don't need and how much our culture is, is this culture of more and of stuff and of things and, you know, looking out my backyard and seeing that I had a fire pit that I hadn't used in, gosh, eight months because I'd been too busy to use it. And I just remember that there were all of those moments of, of really shaming myself for not living up to the label and to the standard that I, had, that I knew, that I thought I knew to be better, right? And that I thought would be the answer to, to my problems. So I suppose what changed was the acceptance that we releasing the labels is really the best that we can do, I think, in in terms of self-acceptance and in terms of others' acceptance as well. So I'm just going through your blog at Design for Mankind, and you were talking about ways you were trying, four ways that you were planning to incorporate more health and wellness into your daily routine. Can you talk a little bit about them? Yeah, yes. Um, So I had mentioned uh, we adopted a baby uh, almost two years ago, and um, he's our second, first biological, and then second was adopted. And I think anytime you throw number two into the mix, or um, really anytime you just add a, a bit of a 
a change in your schedule or just a change of pace. It requires quite a bit of reassessment. And I, I just feel like I had finally gotten to that point where, um, you know, you tell yourself this is a season, this is a season, it's temporary, um, you know, whether it's a new job, new baby, new relationship, any of it. And things kind of, you kind of put things on hold. And I just hit that point at the beginning of this year where I thought I've been putting my wellness on hold for so long, just kind of um, not really martyring myself, but just telling myself this is temporary. You know, he's still an infant. He's still a baby. He'll grow out of this. And, and finally just, you know, I think, I think everybody hits a point where they think no one's going to make time for me on my behalf. So I think I need to just uh, make a couple changes that are manageable, even though they're small. And so, um, for me, that was, I'm interested to listen to your interview with the sleep doctor. I don't know what, what would happen or what the advice would be for this, but, um, I've been, you know, sleeping not with my phone and instead waking up with one of those slow, they're like the sensory alarm clocks, right? Where they like either it's chirping birds or it's a waterfall and it wakes you up very slowly according to your body rhythm. So that was a change that I implemented, just something that seems really small and seems very like it maybe might not make a big, a big difference. And it's made a huge difference it, because I, I think because it then since you in the momentum of, okay, I do have control over my life. Sure. I can't go to yoga every single day and I can't be the, be gone for an hour and a half on a run or on a walk or whatever, but I can take my vitamins. I can drink eight glasses of water. I can um, choose how I wake up in the morning. Maybe I can't choose what time, but I can mm -hmm. choose the method. And there are ways I can move throughout the day that don't require kind of this old mindset of I'm being physically fit today, if that makes sense. It absolutely does. Yeah. So you, you touched on something that I would love to, to dig into here, and that is feeling like a martyr. And you shifted your thinking to, a, um, instead of being like, I'm doing this for you and you're not even grateful for it, to I'm doing this for me. Um, and I know that that was, that was a light bulb for, I think, all of us when we read that post. So, and we'll link to that in the show notes. So all of you guys listening, you can read it because, I mean, it, you want to read it. But could you tell us a little bit more about that, that realization and that mindset shift? Oh, of course. I think, you know, I don't know if this is a tendency of women to, uh, you know, we're, we're really good at putting other people first. Um, we're really, really good at it. And for me, that has often, if if I'm leaving myself unchecked and if I'm not making sure that my own needs are met, that leads to resentment nearly every time. And so I finally, I remember um, I would wake up early on a Saturday morning and clean the house after a dinner party and all the dishes would be done and the countertops would be sparkling. And I just, I remember like the loop in my head that was playing was my husband's going to be so happy when he wakes up. And that meant that if he didn't notice first thing when he wakes up, when he's like still half asleep, if he doesn't run in with that instant compliment, I'm like, what on earth? I just worked really hard here, like for you. But in truth, it was for me, right? In truth, I wanted a clean kitchen. I wanted to start my weekend off right. I wanted um, to do something productive that that would be over and done with. And then I could move on and have a clean house for the rest of the day, right? Maybe he cares. Maybe he doesn't care. It really matters not because I did, because I did it for me. And I find that that's such an empowering phrase because then I get to take pride in my own, in my own actions. Right. Um, then I, we got, when I finish the kitchen, I get to survey the kitchen. I get to come out of the hallway and think, Oh, that looks great. Good job. Fantastic. 
And I think, I, I think just placing that ownership and placing that responsibility kind of negates all of that built up resentment that may, you know, maybe you live with a family who doesn't notice every single time you take the dryer lint out of the dryer trap or whatever, like all of those little tiny things that you do that, that really all those tiny things that probably everybody else in your house, um, whether it's a roommate scenario or marriage or kids or whatever, everybody contributes in tiny little ways. I see maybe, I don't know, 20% of what my husband does for this house. So that's what I would anticipate him to see as well, right? I, he's not my watchdog. He's not there with a checklist, you know, saying good shot. He's not handing out the gold stickers. And um, I think when we let that go and when we can, when we can come to terms with the fact that I'm doing this because I want to maintain X amount of cleanliness in my house or I'm doing um, – I'm working out because I want to work out. I'm doing this for me. It makes a, it makes a really, really big difference. It's been a small shift that's that's really trickled into kind of every area of my life, professionally and and beyond. It's been really a, a good, beautiful shift for me. Yeah. So with that, I'm curious, does that change the way you approach things that you maybe you do really do for him because you know it would make him happy or for your children because you know it will make them happy versus it or do you still find a way to to turn that into something you're doing for yourself um and like I'm, I'm thinking of just like I like you know putting my husband's underwear away you know that's something that like I really don't care I'm not a, a neat freak but I know that it'll make his life a little bit easier I don't necessarily need him to like praise me for it, but it's, it's all right. If he notices. That's a great question. I haven't thought about that really, but you know what? I think it does now that, now that you've given me an example, because I, I do the same. I mean, selfishly I do. Cause it, otherwise it just piles up and it, and then it gets knocked over the nightstand. It's like, why did I fold this anyway? Right. I might yes. as well just put it away. And I remember before thinking I've done all your laundry. Why can't you just put it away? But Get out of my head, Erin. <laughs> but I think, I think what it does do is it kind of frees up all of those other instances where you, where you maybe aren't because, because yeah, that is a little bit like, come on, just put, you have one step to do, just put it in the drawer. But honestly, I think, I think it takes away all of those other instances that are kind of in the back of your mind. Like this is just one more thing that you're not doing. And instead you're like, I get this. You just don't feel like it. I'm on it. I don't, I don't, I don't mind this that much. Yeah. I think it's crazy. I think you should probably, I don't like, like maybe just, I don't, I don't know. It, it, you may not understand what it is that's holding back that person from doing, taking that one step, but you're no longer, it's no longer adding to the list of tiny, tiny resentments that kind of build up throughout the day. Does that make any sense? Yeah, yeah totally. I think it does. Yeah. So in one of your posts also, you, you talk about people feeling buried by their circumstances. So can you talk a little bit more about what exactly that means and maybe tips for how, we, how to become a little less buried, a little more unburied? Yeah. I mean, I, I hear a lot, certainly when I was promoting the book, I hear a lot of people that feel trapped by their own circumstance and uh, buried by whatever whatever's happening in their life, whether it's, you know, they're under a really hefty mortgage or if they're taking care of aging parents and they just, they feel as if sure they want to slow down their life or they want to make these small tangible, tiny shifts, but they, but they, 
feel like they can't for whatever reason, financial, professional, relational. And I feel like for me, a lot of that unburying was um, taking ownership over my life. A little bit of what I talked about on the, on the wellness front, certainly, but I think that spilled into other areas of my life as well. Understanding that there is always something that we can do it's not going to be comfortable necessarily. It's not going to be an easy shift, but there is always something small that, that is within our power and within our grasp. I would say for 90% of us, uh, 99% of us, that we can do something. And so, you know, f- for me, for us to make the move from Los Angeles to the Midwest, you know, that sounds very much like, oh, they're perfect. They're slowing down their life. Everything's going to fall into place. That was a very hard move. Um, it was a hard move for my husband's job. It was a hard move for my job. Both of us work in the creative industry. So my husband's a film editor. You can imagine the lack of Hollywood gigs he's getting in, (laughs) in the Midwest. But ultimately it was, it was a decision that we had to take ownership of and really fight for that. Um, sure. It's not the ideal, but if this is, if these are the two options on the table, uh, we will find work elsewhere. We will make it work elsewhere. So I would say just a really important step is recognizing that you are you are never quite as, as buried as you think you are, uh, which sounds really easy to say on the other side of that. I think too, um, recognizing that it's, that it's not going to be um, this tidy before and after process, that once you do make any sort of life change, you're still you on the other side of it. You know, you see all of those before and after pictures, whether it's weight loss makeover or even a home renovation. And what you don't realize is that's not a before and after. That's a that's a before and during, right? Like that's that's a that's a yesterday and a today. It's not yesterday and tomorrow. Like you still have to wake up and consciously make that choice to continue on the path that you're on. You know, sure, maybe the person that lost 300 pounds is no longer eating a quarter pounder for every meal, but they're still waking up, making that choice and choosing their kale smoothie instead. Um, And it would be really easy to think they no longer struggle with that decision every single day. But I think we trick ourselves when we think that the after is suddenly, oh, there, we're, we're done. We're a different person. We've changed. When in truth, we have to kind of continue that transformation every single day of our life. I love that. And I mean, you're so right. It is that choice every day, even when things become a habit, you know, it doesn't ever stop. Um, And that's a great way to think of it. Now, you, you talked about not using your phone to wake up and how that has, has changed your life, really. And I know that for me, like one of one of the big issues when I'm trying to slow down and not be so caught up in, you know, what's next, what's new, what do I have to do, what do I have to get done, it, it's my phone. You know, I'm picking. I am one of those people who looks at it. I don't know, what's the current statistic? Like 100, 200 times a day or something. I am probably that girl. I'm working. I'm plotting. I'm planning. I'm texting. So I have to ask. How often would you say you're on your phone in various ways? And like, do you have hard and fast rules about your use of your phone or is it just, is it more intuitive now? Speaking of making choices, right? Um, yeah, that's a great question. I'm pretty anti-phone actually. Um, but you know what? It, the only reason for that is I have small children and I just don't want them to see 
I, I don't I don't want them to ever get the impression that you know this black shiny thing is more important than they are and so that makes it just really really easy for me to make that choice so generally you know when I'm when I'm with my kids sometimes the phone is out and that it will be playing they love listening to the story time podcast um, so we do that once a day or we'll be playing Spotify we have like a cleanup playlist and like just dinner jams and like whatever like if we want a dance party so I would say it's it's been around the older my daughter gets uh, because she wants it for music like she, or she'll ask and she's almost six or she'll she'll ask for a certain song and so it's been around a lot more but but I think when I was making that initial shift it it was just really easy when I kept it in, my, in the kitchen drawer right when I didn't see it and I remember when I knew that I wanted to make that change, you know, when you kind of feel yourself not really losing control, but, but not properly managing a scenario. And so you do something really intentional to, um, to shift that. And my shift was where my phone usually charges. I just put an open book on there and, um, on the counter instead. And I put my phone in a drawer and you would just be amazed at how much how many books I read during that transition. You know, it was just, and, and it really is a light bulb moment. You see every single time I would just check the weather or refresh my inbox or check in on someone and, and realizing I would finish novel upon novel in the time that I would really just be doing, because I'm not doing anything important on my phone. For me, I like to do my work work in the morning on my computer before anybody's up for the day. So, so I wasn't doing anything purposeful. It wasn't for me, it wasn't benefiting my life at all in any way. So I would say I'm really, really intentional now, but when making that initial shift, it's really hard to deny how much time you spend on your phone when you, when you replace it with something that you actually do want to do, right? Like whether it's reading more, cooking more, and, or maybe it's leave an open cookbook and plan your your meals for the week. Um, you can just get so much done in those little two minute stretches where you would be checking your phone. And I think it's worth noting here um, for for any listeners who aren't super familiar with Erin and her body of work. Like, I mean, you're like an OG blogger. You have been doing the internet thing forever. So yeah. it's, you know, because I'm hearing this and I'm like, but, but, but what about all of the things that I need to be checking and doing? But yeah, I mean, if you're right, like there are things that don't, don't actually have to be done in times when I'm not actively working. And um, it is hard. Oh, it's to, terrifying. <laughs> yeah, it is. I think um, it's been a really, I mean, you, I promise you, you will not, you will feel like you're missing out or like you're not doing your job, right? Because I think we have in our head, if, if you work online in any sort of capacity, you have in your head that because there's no close sign, then you got to be open, right? Mm-hmm. Um and you don't, you don't, and, um, no one will miss you. You're not, you're not that, I mean, you're important, but it's, it's not, it's not anything that cannot be worked around, you know, in, in a set amount of hours. And I think there's exceptions to every rule. Um, I think, um, a lot of people are really good at managing that check in, check out. I'm not, I'm like, I, I need to be full on fully where I am or my head's like, I'm a basket case. So for me, it's just easier to shut it down and not have that distraction at all. But I know some really great multitaskers where it's just, it's a non-issue. So some of the ways you've decided to live slower is one is moving to the Midwest, which is a really big, big step, but also 
not checking the phone so much, which is a smaller step. So for those of us, like, is there anything in between that you can give us advice on for some, some of us on how to live a little bit slower? Not so extreme, but like moving to a new, whole new place. But do you have other things that you do that have you incorporated into your life that's made it so much happier for you by going slower? Yeah, you know, I think the probably the biggest one for me has been, you know, you hear about decision fatigue all the time. I, I think removing all of those tiny, tiny decisions that pile on you throughout the day that make you think that the world is is just going to like crumble, right? If you don't have control over one single area. I I think there are so many arenas of our life that can that can be improved upon with limitations. I'm thinking of Whole30, for instance. I went on Whole30 when I was nursing my daughter just because um, of an allergy on her part. But what I noticed was I felt so much freer in the kitchen having those limited ingredients to cook from. Um, I felt creative. I felt that, that the decisions I was making were plug and play. I didn't have to think about what I was purchasing at the grocery store. I didn't have to think about what I was going to be cooking for dinner because I was working with such a set limited boundary. I think that works for clothing. You know, if anybody is is on board with the capsule wardrobe, you know, limiting your wardrobe to X amount of items that you wear, that you love, that fit you and forgetting the rest. Right. Um, I think what's happened as, as our, our worlds have expanded, you know, whether the internet or, or just through opportunity and through just pure excess is, is we've allowed a lot of extra into our life, um, without even realizing. And, and it's, it's a wonderful thing. And it's also a really, um, it's, it's another thing to manage, right? The more we have, the more we have to manage. So I even think, you know, when I'm, when I'm, I'm rarely shopping, but if I do shop or if I'm styling something for a client, I like to ask myself questions before I buy things. I like to ask, you know, do I want to take care of this? Do I want to manage it? Is it something that I feel like reflect my values? So for me, that sometimes just means, I mean, I I can't remember the last time that I set foot in Target because there was no goal there. There was no purpose. I can get everything I need at the grocery. I don't, I I don't need to see what's out there, right? And and I think so I think a really great way to set on your life is to kind of put on those blinders and focus in and start limiting start with limiting something that's easy. If you don't care about clothes, cool, start there. Um and just kind of see how much more creative and how much more fun it gets when you are kind of working with that set set amount of um whatever the boundary may be. That's that's great. How would you say that that planning works into that because I know with with like Whole30 and with a lot of different meal planning ventures, just the concept of like knowing ahead of time what you have to work with, making sure you have that on hand, and then making a point to use it all is to me like that's that's the big thing. And you're right, like taking the decision making out of what you're going to what you're actually going to make is super helpful. So do you subscribe to like any sort of meal planning schedules or is it a little bit more organic? I'm pretty flexible. Um, but I think too, that's, it's, it's fairly plug and play now. You know, I, I, I don't eat, I do whole 30, I don't know, three or four times a year just to reset. I tend to be one of those all or nothing types, right? Like, so when I'm not eating paleo or fully organic or cooking everything at home, then I'm, then I want Wendy's for lunch, dinner, breakfast. All <laughs> right. Um, so, uh, so I do often do like little miniature resets throughout the year, but 
I would say to that, you know, there's a steep learning curve in, in that whatever change you're making, I tend to need to focus fully on that change because for that very reason, because the preparation is so intense. You're learning a new skill and that requires a lot of effort and a lot of focus. Um, you are relearning how to live, right? You're relearning how to cook, how to dress, how to, you know, decorate your house, whatever that change is. So I tend to allow myself that steep learning curve, allow myself a lot of mistakes in that process. And then eventually you do get to a point where it's just habitual and it's easier. Not that, you know, it, it becomes less work, but it, it becomes simpler, not, not easy, but simple. So now I would say in terms of food, I do, I do tend to just eat paleo almost all the time. You know what I love um, in terms of meal planning? It's not, it's not meal planning, but I love sun basket. Do you guys do delivery ever? Yeah, I've been doing um, Hungry Root because it's gluten free and vegan. Yeah, because uh, I don't eat I don't eat meat. Um, and yeah, and dairy free because I've been trying with some success to cut dairy. So yeah. Oh wow, yeah, that one sounds really good too. I've heard really good things. I like I like the meal delivery things simply because you do get really bored of your standbys. Yep. Um, I like that it kind of teaches you new flavors and new techniques. And then for us it's, we get three meals for less than the price of a date night. So a lot of times, you know, when it's a sun basket week, we don't do it every week. We'll just have the nights that I'm cooking a sun basket dinner be like a date night. We'll pour ourselves wine and chit chat and, um, have it be just a slow, quiet evening because it, it feels special, right? It feels, it feels like a, like a treat because it's something new and, and something that you wouldn't necessarily purchase and, uh, plan for yourself. So do you apply this to your workouts as well? Like, how do you fit in fitness with your life? Oh, gosh. You know, I think that was the biggest shift since since adoption. I was 100% yoga. I love, love, love yoga. And I love walks. You know, it's fairly simple. Uh, for me, I don't do a lot of anything really rigorous. Um, but I found uh, once I had to put the yoga in, in terms of visiting a studio on hold, I don't do well working out at home. So I've just really found ways to move throughout the day. You know, um, you find those pockets of time and they really do make a difference. You know, if I'm on the phone with my mom, I'll do, you know, squat against a wall. If I'm uh, brushing my teeth, I can do knee lifts or whatever. If I'm I don't know. Like you, you just, you find ways when you're, when you're waiting to heat the tea kettle, I'll do jumping jacks. I like to go on walks with my kids. So it's, it's fairly simple now. It's not, it's not my ideal. I will say, I wish that I was, you know, back in the studio for an hour a day, but I think it's, it's for me, it's better than nothing. And at least it does keep a little bit of that momentum going for when I, my schedule is freer to, uh, to get back into it more, more regularly. One of our guests was Katie Bowman, and uh, that's like the big thing for her is just movement and just yeah, like, functional movement functional all day. Movement. Yep, that, she even got rid of her couch. So what? I am not kidding you. That's one of our shows. You guys have to listen to that. She she does she did that so that she wouldn't be sitting so much. So you know, you, you, it forces you to move a little bit more. Yeah, and they oh, so they they squat. They get in like different positions, sitting on the floor. I mean, I assume we didn't ask, but I assume it's not like a hard concrete floor. I'm guessing they've got like cushions <laughs> and stuff, but you know, she's like, yeah, standing is great, but you don't want to just stand in one position all day. You want to move. And if you just incorporate that into your day, you don't need to go for a five mile run. You know, you still can, 
but it just, it takes like a workout doesn't have to be this, you know, big, dedicated, super sweaty chunk of time. Yeah, that's brilliant. Yeah, she is. I mean, she literally is brilliant. I, I adore her. So speaking of other podcasts, this is actually not one of our episodes, but I was listening to um, Hidden Brain the other day, which I don't know if you guys listened to that, but it's, I, I love it. And they were talking about, and it made me think of you, Aaron, which is why I'm bringing it up. So they were talking about kind of the two different ways in which we live our lives. And, you know, there's the part of us that lives in the moment and experiencing what we're doing as it happens. And that's a really true, authentic way that we are experiencing it because there's no reason to color over what's happening as it's happening. But the other way is this way that we judge it in our memory, which is not always quite in line with how it actually happened and often has more to do and I'm sorry Shankar Vedantam if you're listening I'm sure you're not because you know you well maybe you are I don't know but if I'm screwing it up I'm sorry for anyone who's familiar with this episode but this whole remembering and judging thing can be really heavily influenced by how something ended um, because that's what's fresher in your memory so you know if you you know, go on a walk with your kids or with your dogs and, you know, it's kind of a rough one and everybody's crying or barking or fighting, but you get to the end and you have a really beautiful experience. You may remember that much more pleasantly than you would if you hadn't had, you know, this beautiful experience at the very end. So I'm getting to my point. I'm wondering how that thinking, I, I think that it ties in really really nicely with a lot of the things that you talk about, because I think that so many of the things that you've mentioned today strongly tie into focusing on that life of the current experience. But as someone who, you know, has written a book and has been blogging for a long time and writing for various outlets in a TV show, obviously there's so much tied into that that life of memory. So I'm, I guess I'm just wondering if that's something that you've given much thought to with the living in the moment versus doing something for the sake of memory, or if that's not really tied in and I'm just trying to make it. No, I think that's so fascinating. I've never heard that, but you know, it makes sense to me because, um, you know that, you know, all hours aren't created equal, right? Um, they always told you in school, um, remember those studies where they would do like, you could either read for two hours in the afternoon or 30 minutes right before you go to bed and you'll remember what happened right before you went to bed versus the stuff you, that was just so Mm -hmm. fascinating to me. Um, like there is something to late night cramming and it works. And I think, I think that's so true. I mean, I do feel like we live a lot of times by the same scripts, um, and the same kind of, whether it's rules that we've been taught or or rules that we've made for ourselves or rules that we think we should make for ourselves. And it makes sense that the ending would, would dictate so much of that storyline, right? Like, and we love happy endings. We love good endings. I don't, I've never thought of that, but I would fully agree. And I think, I don't know, maybe that's a really, wise way to think about shifting things slower. Maybe if you do, I hear how important time and again, that the bedtime routine is, whether for kids or adults, all of it, you know, your, your day could be as frenzied and frenetic and crazed 
as possible. But if you're spending an hour in the bath or in meditation or connecting with your spouse or wrestling with your kids, and if you love it and if it ends beautifully, then I would I would consider that a, a great day. So I would completely agree with that. This has been fascinating. Uh, do you have any more questions, Kristen? Yeah, I do have one more that I'd really like to get in. Go for it. Okay. So it's been a little a little over a year, I think, since your book came out. And I mean, you've been, as I mentioned before, you've been blogging since the early days, I think since like 2001 in various ways. And so I'm, I've got to know, how has your work and your approach to work changed over the years? And with that, how have you maintained your authenticity? Because that's something that I've seen in like every iteration of what I've seen you do. Oh, well, thank you. Um, that's a huge compliment. I, yeah, I, I mean, I've, I always fear that I give my readers whiplash every single time they open their browser because I, I used to blog exclusively about art and design and then it was very, uh, home decor renovation focused. And then I blog more after I had my kids mostly into more of a lifestyle, almost, it's almost gone full circle back to those early essay days, you know, when you're just, I started on Zanga, if anybody else was in the 2000s. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. It's like that journal, teen angsty, um, (laughs) all of it. And I almost feel like for me, allowing myself to return to those roots really brought back so much of the joy of blogging and so much of the joy of, of connecting with, with your readers. I mean, and, and connecting with other, other people that are so different and so alike than you. And, um, so I feel like in terms of maintaining my authenticity through all of those iterations, I think that has just been a a very intentional decision to allow myself to make those changes and, and to let that be okay with me. I think a lot of times we, we think if we are creating any sort of content online that we have to brand ourselves, we have to find, you know, our corner niche market we have to nail it. We can't veer from that space and we have to stay in our lane. And I just think that is so problematic because we're people and we're not brands. Uh, We're human beings. We're not robots. And I, I feel like I have lived in that space where I felt like I can't, I can't say that I can't talk about that. What would my readers think or what would my market think or what would my industry think? And I think if, if you just throw that out the window, you have no choice but to be authentic because that's what, that's what being a a person is. It's, it's complex and we are a great many things. And I think the second that we allow ourselves to be that the authenticity, authenticity comes through We're no longer trying to flatten our identities into this, you know, more palatable two dimensional form. Right. So I, I would say releasing yourself from that boundary really aids, aids itself in, in translating that message that yes, I am a, I am a full person flawed and all, but but here I am, and this is what I am able to and um, am choosing to to share with you and to show you. That doesn't mean all of it has to be showed, right? But but I think allowing yourself the choice to to share who you are in all of that wandering form is is a really great and um, an authentic choice. Well, on that inspiring note, um, are you ready for our last question? We ask this of everybody that appears in the show. Oh, I can't wait. Yes. Okay. Awesome. Okay. So Aaron, what was the last song you listened to before you did this podcast interview? Oh, oh, shoot. Um, teach your children. Um, 
Crosby, yeah. Stills, Nash. Uh, yeah. Oh, I love that song. I love that song too. I did too. It, it came on this morning in our, um, yeah, I talked about our playlist, um, but oh man, that's such a goodie. It, yeah. it just, uh, it's a tearjerker. Oh, oh I, I was just going to say, it makes me cry sometimes when I hear it. It's so beautiful. That's a great choice. All the time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it didn't, it wasn't a choice. It just, it played on shuffle, but happy that it did. I'm happy I got to answer a good one instead of like Pocahontas. <laughs> <laughs> Right, like whatever else my kids had on earlier, <laughs> or Frozen. Uh huh. Oh. Uh, thank goodness. <laughs> well, thank you so much for being on the show today. You're a fantastic guest. Thank you for having me. What a treat! Love this show? Tell us why in a five star review on iTunes, and we'll read it on the air. Also, make sure you are a subscriber. If you want to reach out to say hi or have a question about a recent episode, yay! Well, feel free to email us at podcast at fitboundgirls.com. And if this podcast jives perfectly with your brand, consider sponsoring the show. Get more info by emailing advertising at fitbottomgirls.com. Find all kinds of Fit Bottom goodness online and on social media at Fit Bottom Girls, Fit Bottom Mamas, Fit Bottom Eats, and Fit Bottom Zen. And if books and movies are your thing, check out the other podcast I co-host called Book vs. Movie, which you can find anywhere where you search for podcasts. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.